Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Hate People, the podcast where your respawn is restricted. If you don't understand that reference, you're a better person than I am. This is episode nine, recorded Sunday, October 4th, 2015. I am your host, Simon Potter, and with me is a man who once lost his mind, but luckily found it down the back of the couch, stuck to a used chuppa chup, which he reports was delicious and tasted faintly of cat hair and dacron. David Holloway, how's it going, sir? Good, although I have lost it again because I'm coming up to the final hours or days of school holidays, so I have lost the mind again. But nice what? to be here. This is respite. Consider this respite. The, the holidays are starting or finishing? No, nearly finished. Oh. Oh, I'm amazed you're still coherent. Yes. Are you coherent? Just. Well, well we'll, we're about to find out. Well, it- that seems like a appropriate. So we have some uh, listener feedback on hates, I believe. Do you want to uh, regale us with that? Yeah, so we, we had um, one we're going to hold over for, to, for next episode that my dear neighbour, who happened to be on my doorstep tonight, and I, I, I um, accosted her and said, look, I do this podcast. I want to know what's annoying you at the moment. And her first response was celery. And I went, no, I can't really talk too much about celery. That's, and she said, oh, you want something more interesting than that? And I went, yes. And she, she, came, yeah, well, she came up with something that we'll, we'll carry over next episode. I won't give it away. But, um, but we did have Jay Connell give us a very nice one that I, I, I thought a lot of on Twitter today. And, I mean, our Twitter handle, for those that don't know, is twitter.com forward slash creative shed. Um, a gossip that's trying to befriend, befriend you because anyone that will gossip to you will gossip about you. I'd rather be lonely. And I think he's damn all right. We may be in violent agreement on that one, I'm guessing. I think he's a sage, a prophet, a wise man. The, the only thing I can think of, you could have fun with that sort of friend if, you, if you're going to not have much to do with them anyway, is that you could play them, obviously, and feed them all sorts of stuff that isn't true. Like you go, oh, look, I'm confiding in you. And, you know, when I was involved in the the Marines taking that operation on in North Korea and just, you know, getting, getting people to pass on stuff about you that just has no relationship to reality. But they wouldn't really be a friend then, would they? They'd be a, a tool, a cat's paw. Yeah, true. That's That's, yeah. Good you'd, point. you'd be manipulating them. Yeah, so you're as bad as them, really, aren't you, by doing that? Yeah. No, no not at all. Because, no, I don't. I think that's probably a good way of perhaps helping them, helping them evolve in their personal interactions, their their lifestyle. You know, yeah. you, you get caught out a couple of times doing that and just make get made look to look like a fool. Perhaps you'd think about doing it. But I have to admit, I don't understand uh, certain people's propensity to get on the phone and just jabber at people endlessly, regardless of the quality of content. There's just the quantity is mind boggling. Uh, And granted, (laughs) we do. Granted, we don't do it every week, um, although I think some people probably would prefer if we did. Uh, so, yes, I'm aware there's a certain irony that we're jabbering away about inconsequential <laughs> matters as well. But uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Why do people need to know things? I suppose that's one of the things I don't understand about social media. It's like my Twitter, for instance. I try not to put well, – not try. It's more of a personal disposition, really. But I try not to put, I am eating a sandwich. I had no. a really ill last night. My foot hurts. I'm horny. Because <laughs> to hear these things, no. and I, I'm really not interested in hearing it from anyone else. And I don't know; it's a bit like celebrity gossip and those ghastly magazines that uh, they supposedly sell to women. You know, yeah. uh, back in my mother's day and my grandmother's days, magazines like Women's Weekly and so forth would be full of yes articles, and but they have stories and knitting patterns, which yep. are popular again now for some reason. Uh, you know things, things to make your family and home a better thing within the, the uh, obviously the stereotypical, somewhat sexist and restrictive uh, cultural paradigm of the, that particular era. Uh, but now it's just uh, Kim Kardashian broke the yeah. internet. Um, I, I don't even know what that story is about. I don't want to. 
it's just the fact that that's those that combination of words came into existence. Uh, I find kind of alarming, and I'm really hoping for the zombie apocalypse to happen pretty damn soon. If that's where we are as a culture, because we is broken. It's just it's just irrelevant nonsense. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, on the social media thing, says David, just madly writing something on the running sheet that you prompted from me. Um, it's with F. That's yeah. oh, okay. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I use social media. See, I feel a bit guilty about the gossip thing. I never gossip on social media, nor do I take stuff off social media and and gossip to other people. I use it more as a, some people would say, stalking tool. I, I use it more as a way to keep up with old school friends and family that otherwise I wouldn't see as often or hear about as often. So if if gossip includes saying to one friend, hey... Um, I hear such and such got married the other day. Isn't that nice? Then I'm a gossip. But I've never, that I recall, gone, oh, wow, they posted this food pic. How bogan is that? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't looked at the definition, but I'm pretty sure gossip is usually a more malicious. Yeah, um, that's what I thought too. Um, just relating good news or happy yeah. news. Uh, it's the, it's the, the dirt, dishing the dirt. Hence, uh, a gossip magazine is never a positive description no but i also think uh, it's open season on I, I don't tend to gossip much that i'm aware of anyway um if you've got someone on facebook what annoys the hell out of me is someone says they post a status update like i'm over it or that's it i've i've had enough of being used no more and then you've got the people saying, oh, what's wrong? And then they prod and poke. And sometimes the person will feel, oh, now I've got the leeway to spill my guts on everything that's been annoying me. Or even, I don't know, worse or better, they'll just refuse to say and say they just leave everyone hanging. It's like, what are you getting out of that? No, that, that's where they'll, they'll just save it for, for a DM rather than doing that's it. That's right. Which is more appropriate, I suppose. That would be more appropriate. Uh, that's... Definitely not the case for some people. No. Have you, just going back to um, Joe's question though, uh, have you actually encountered people at work or just uh, as part of your social circles who are gossips or try to engage you? Uh, I'm trying, yeah, I've just been racking my brain. Not that I can think of, but that could mean something actually really uh, <laughs> bad about me that I'm too thick to realise that that's why they're befriending me and that they're such masters at it that I don't realise that that's why they've befriended me in the first place or I've just been lucky. But I can't think of a specific example where someone's befriended me because... Well, they've befriended me and that they're gossiping constantly to me about other people. I don't know, but see, being the nursing background, it's a bit of an interesting profession in that respect as well. Well, you're a professional sympathetic ear in a lot of ways, I would think, because there'd be some level of uh, professional confidentiality. Does that, that include you... walking up to people in nightclubs and saying, trust me, I'm a nurse, as a pick-up line? It depends what you're wearing at the time. Okay. <laughs> well, um, possibly my nurse's uniform, but I'm pleased to say that didn't involve stockings or a, a dress. I may need to throw up. Hang on. No, it didn't involve. I'm pleased. Oh, to... right. Yeah. Although the, the height of my fashion horror as a nurse was as a student nurse, I wore a white, what, what some people would know as a dentist top, so one of those button on the shoulder, you know, oh, yeah. with the pog, right? So I would have that with white trousers, white socks, white shoes. How sexy is that? Well, um... And most importantly, white underwear. I don't really feel qualified to respond. <laughs> so, sorry, anyway, yeah, the gossip, no, I'm, I'm lucky. But what about you? Have you? Do you feel like you've had a friend that is just lives for gossip and, and you're worried that it's gone both ways? No. No, I, I have friends who are conspiracy theorists, um, <laughs> but, uh, which probably shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Uh, but, no, I don't know anyone who's a gossip and certainly don't have people approaching me or trying to befriend me. I because I'm kind of intimidating for a lot of people. Yeah, you are. Or, or just some of the things I say just uh, tend to, because it just sort of blurt things out. So that tends to sometimes put people in, put me into a category of uh, do not approach. 
So I'm, I'm kind of lucky in that I'm pretty much insulated from 90% of humanity, which is good because that's a 90% that generally isn't worth giving the time of day True. to. And you are physically intimidating. For anyone that's under about six foot two, you'd be physically intimidating. And I certainly wouldn't fight you and I'm six foot three. I just have to fall on people. That's all I need to do. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, I think we're in agreement. Consciousness and aim correctly and the battle's over. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's funny. Um, speaking of ignorant people that you're better off not knowing, I, I hope you don't mind a self-segue there. No, that's beautiful. <laughs> I, um, I, I've just been travelling around the place on, on the last week, including to your hometown, Simon, and obviously we didn't didn't get a chance to catch up, but I, I travelled uh, south, even further south for our non-Australian listeners to a lovely little island right at the bottom of Australia, no, not Tasmania, not that far down, but Phillip Island, although so it's actually, it is an island, isn't it? It's just a big skanking bridge that now connects it. Uh, I believe it's an island. Yeah, it just didn't feel like you were going onto an island because it's so close. But I think the bridge, there is a, an expanse of water that does separate it there. It's um, kind of a little bit of a bay, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit uh, like... Oh, actually, no, it doesn't even compare to Staten Island and New York because that's a bigger expanse of water. But anyway, yeah. um, Phillip it's, Island is renowned. It's, it's like, a, like a hill with a moat. Yeah, a bit like that. A, a big hill. Yes. So Phillip Island's renowned really for two things. One being... It's the home of the Australian MotoGP, like the Motorbike Grand Prix. Uh, and the other one is that it has penguin migration there. So, um, and we, we, I went primarily for that. So I took the family and we went down to sit on a beach for an hour and a half in wind and cold because uh, it was still fairly cool uh, until the sun set and these penguins uh, ran out of the water. Um, up the beach and once again like you Simon uh, and the reason we started this podcast about hating people is that you know groups of people don't tend to behave well and once again I saw it so you're you're all forced to sit there um, they had reserved spots you could pay more for the front parts of the beach so you could see the penguins a little bit a bit better that was all fine but there were lots of tourists from overseas there and they seemed to feel that it wasn't their job to actually sit down with everyone else, that it was okay for them to stand up in front of all the other people that paid the same money, um, despite, you know, numerous directions from the rangers there to please sit down, please sit down. Um, and the other thing was no photography because even the, the screen of a smartphone, the brightness of it can affect the penguin's eyes in the pitch black. So, but no, after they run up the beach, they've set it up. I actually recommend it to Australians and non-Australians going to see it. They've set it up really well. There's an enormous wooden boardwalk that goes from the visitor centre right down to the beach. And it, it, it runs parallel to the trails in the bush that the penguins go up to, to their nest. So after you've seen them run up the beach, you can actually follow them all the way back to their nests, which was really cool. And, of course, there were very strong directions. Please do not take photos. But, of course, a lot of these tourists from overseas are whipping out the smartphones. Now, here's a hypothetical, Simon. What would you do? Would you say nothing or would you feel the need to play school prefect and tell them to put their bloody phones away? I do. They do basic training with the, uh, with the army and all the phones go in a box and you get it back at the end. Yeah, well, I like that approach. I wish they'd done that. That would have been good. Also, the word please should be removed from all instructions. You either you either abide by the, the, the code of behaviour or you don't get through the gate. Yes. That's precondition. The penguins have to take priority over the bloody tourists from, and I've got all sorts of racist thoughts running through my head. <laughs> no, that's why I haven't, I haven't mentioned specific countries. But I think I think if we if we probably all guess, we probably have a, a fairly good idea just based on general behaviour um, from from other tourist venues around the world. It's you know, it's it's a it's a cultural thing. I it think it is a cultural thing, definitely. Um, but uh, cultural and cultural understanding is all very well as long as it swings both ways. And if right. it doesn't swing both ways, they can just bugger off. Yes, well, I, I tended towards the prefect approach. So in three occasions walking up the boardwalk, I just put on a gruff voice, which is a bit hard with my voice, but basically said, because uh, uh, they, they had their backs to you, so they didn't know I wasn't a ranger or whatever, and it was fairly dark, and I'd go, camera away now. 
Good, good for you. And in all three, I got profuse apologies and they put the camera away, but I, then I got sick of doing it, plus felt like a nerdy school prefect, so I stopped. Oh, look, as, as someone who periodically feels the need to do this on the trams when people are just staring at their smartphones and clogging the doors and not moving down, oh, this yeah. trying to get on or off, um, I periodically will bark things out. And I have to admit, I... The, probably my my finest moment was on uh, the uh, it's a small world ride at the Anaheim Disneyland, uh, and uh, no no flash photography no it's um, uh, yes I someone a, a tourist from a certain part of the, the world decided that that didn't apply to them or maybe maybe there was a, a language issue I but there were plenty of uh, pictograms so I think that was was fairly clear. Uh, so yes, I barked at them on it's a it's a small world ride as we I think we're sailing past Holland. <laughs> no flash photography. Yeah, see, that's good. We'd make well, good prefects. Well, look, at the, no, look. I don't think it's all. It's not about being a prefect or being a killjoy. It really is about the fact that the trouble with modern society, to a great ex- extent, is that we've all abdicated responsibility. Yes. We abdicate responsibility of neighbourhood safety to the police. Um, to well, you know, to we've got a. a, a people with careers dedicated to doing things that we all had to sort of chip into as part of a community, as part of a society. And now it's, it's oh, it's their fault. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't the police know about that? Why didn't the fire do something about this or the other? Um, what's wrong with the ambulances? Why can't the people who run our country do a better job when I'm not actually doing anything to contribute to the process apart from being dragged into a polling booth once every three or four years. Other than that, I just sit down, watch the, read the paper and complain to people over coffee when I get into work because I'm too lazy ass to actually sit down and start working when I'm paid to. Yeah. It, it's like uh, there's a well-known sociological phenomenon uh, uh, called by, bystander apathy. And I think the research has been updated since I learned it, but essentially, and I've discovered this multiple times, again, as a nurse, and I'm not an active working nurse in a hospital. My clinical skills as far as hands-on, laying on of hand stuff isn't that great anymore. I have expertise in other areas. Um, But I can't, like just the other day, I uh, witnessed, it was only a fender bender, but it was essentially a head-on collision at a very low speed. Heard the huge crash. There was no way I could keep walking uh, and just let that go going. Well, someone will deal with that because I'm trained not to, to do that. But the amount of people that will just keep walking, and I literally walked past a guy who's uh, the business premises outside of which it had happened, walk out, take one look at the two guys, realise that they hadn't died, went, yeah, they'll be all right, and turned around and walked back into his business. Mm. Now, one of the guys that hit his head on the steering wheel, there was... Oh, just radiator fluid. I had people screaming at me there was oil, but it was just radiator fluid, whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, you really need to check these people are all right. But uh, the research shows most people will not intervene. And the research back, this is a fair few years now, that it wasn't because they weren't interested in helping. You know why they wouldn't help? And not but for being sued either. They didn't want to look foolish. Because they didn't know what to do. Because they either didn't know what to do or that it was a prank or that they would do something stupid. Not because they'd be sued, but just they would look foolish. So the, the, the pride stuff got in the way of them intervening in a critical situation. Mm. So it's interesting. It is. And, and it's, it's kind of sad because really uh, it's a basic, basic first aid. And this is all stuff that really should be covered in schools yes. rather than um, media studies. No one needs to know about in high school about television and what you know what's on or any of this. There's so much rubbish I think being taught these days. And granted, school is an opportunity to become familiarised with a, a broad spectrum yes. of things to help you work out what you want to do when you get older. You know, you leave school and you go on the dole or whatever. <laughs> um, but. I think I really do think that somewhere in there they need to build in some basic things like uh, basic budgeting, um, how to make something that's not bloody spag bowl, that's spaghetti <laughs> overseas. Uh, you know, there's there's a few basic things that I think it would be uh, how to sew a button back on a shirt. Yeah, true. Without having to go around to your bloody mother's. How to operate a washing machine. It's not difficult, people. Just 
don't put colours in with whites. I oh, see. I just do it. I don't care. If it's a cold wash, it doesn't matter anyway. That's not really. What That's we're true. That's true. See, we're giving away all sorts of good advice here. In indeed, yes. So th- thanks, Jay, for that original one because that led to some useful that discussion. Much. Yeah. And <sighs> what? No, I just feel exhausted after that. Now that was big effort. Well, yeah, it was. There was. There was a lot of talking. A oh, lot and of opining. I just need to do a disclaimer too before anyone thinks I've got totally holier than thou. I do remember at age 27, walking around the Vatican and spending an hour, uh, nearly an hour in the Sistine Chapel with my video camera pointed up at the roof out of my pocket because it was all photography prohibited. Oh, look, I don't blame you because there's there's simply not enough photographic records of that ceiling. <laughs> so it's highly justified in doing that. Yeah, I know, and I've never looked at it since, I know. <sighs> <laughs> anyway. It was that in the red light district in Amsterdam done covertly as well because you weren't meant to. I, I have to admit, a bit like people gossiping, I don't understand why there's a, a group, a segment of society that constantly want to have their picture taken in front of other things. Yes. You want to take a picture of the thing, get out of the way and take a picture of the thing. That's right. Otherwise, why are you taking the picture? So is this for when Alzheimer's sets in and you can remember where you went for five seconds before you forget again? What the hell? I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I've got very few photos of me in front of things. The only one I do have is of me standing on one of the uh, stones at the pyramids purely because... I had no idea of the scale of those damn things till I went there, and, and the photo makes it really clear just how bloody huge those pyramids are. I can well understand that. I didn't have a clear idea, well, any idea how big the uh, the Temple of Karnak was. Yes. Until I tried to start building it in Minecraft to scale. Yeah. <laughs> on that pretty quickly, I did like the smallest bit of the smallest bit at the back, and it was huge. I thought, no. No, the the Egyptians were in, were were super crazy awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm not even no. going. To try. I went to the Temple of Karnak, and I honestly can't. Maybe I was totally consumed by my severe gastrointestinal illness by that stage. I, I remember it was big, but I can't in my mind put a scale to it. But it's oh yeah, the pyramids are one of the few things I've been to around the world where I've been lucky enough to travel where I haven't been disappointed. And I think I've talked about it previously. Statue of Liberty, the biggest disappointment of the lot. It's probably smaller than you thought. Yeah, very much so. Okay. Leaning Tower of Pisa, yeah, not so impressive. Look, Eiffel Tower was pretty impressive. Um, it's the best example of bad foundation preparation there is. Uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa, yeah, God, yeah. Um, but the pyramids are the only thing I can recall that I've gone to. And I've gone, holy shit. So there you go. Yeah, the pyramids are pretty impressive because they were pretty much built as a single go around. Things like Karnak, um, the Temple of Karnak, is, or is it of Karnak or at Karnak? Whatever. I think it's, I think it's of, yeah. It's, 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 it's at Karnak anyway, whatever yeah. it's. Um, that was like a lot of ancient monuments was built. Well, you could describe it as an onion. They started off with something and then they built something else around it and then something else around it and it got yes. progressively bigger and bigger and bigger. And a lot of the um, a lot of the Mesoamerican temples, the pyramids in uh, in South and Central America are very much the same as well. They started off with a smaller structure and then they just kept putting things on top and putting layers and layers on top and it got progressively larger. So, yeah, it's it's easier to build things that way. And speaking uh, of monuments and monumental idiots... What? Um, we, ministers? Is, are you talking about prime ministers? Yeah, now? so we had a monumental, monumental idiot depart the prime ministership. What was that, two weeks ago now? Oh, it, it seems like a lifetime. It, I know. He left and suddenly the weather got warmer. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, again, Australian listeners will know totally what taking, talking about. Uh, our international ones may not, but we had a prime minister who was in power for just under two years uh, Tony Abbott, not the most popular prime minister. In fact, I think one of them, uh, based on polling, one of the most unpopular uh, prime ministers. Uh, and he was rolled within his own party by someone that he rolled for the leadership in opposition. So essentially it's a bit of revenge. And Malcolm Turnbull's now prime minister. And it's like comparing Obama to Rush Limbaugh, Limbaugh isn't it really? 
as far as just that they're pretty unlike that. Um, or Obama they, took John Boehner, except one of them, one of our people wasn't orange. Yes, the, is John is John Boehner a Democrat? <laughs> oh, that was a serious question. No, no, that's not. what I thought. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a Democrat that's really right wing. Uh, yeah, because I mean, obviously Turnbull and Abbott are in the same party, but on very other ends of the spectrum politically. Um, the political spectrum, with the US political spectrum, both parties are kind of to the right of centre. Oh, they are, yeah. Same as and Labour and Liberal. So um, that might be a hard, hard find. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it does feel like it's, it's a new era. Uh, I mean, it won't be, but... You know, Malcolm's going to try a cabinet approach to government. I was reading an article today where um, the journos, I think the journos are having trouble reporting any dirt from within the cabinet because all the ministers have actually been given true power to make decisions over their portfolios, and I think they might be enjoying it. Yeah, he's actually trusting them to do their job. Yeah. Uh which has been a bit of a revelation. Um, and Tony Abbott is just continuing to erode any legacy he might have had. Yes. By uh, saying he wasn't going to do any any sniping from the sidelines and then proceeding to snipe from the sidelines. Uh, it's, it's good in a way because it's just truly um, highlighted how completely fucking delusional he is and was. Yes. He, he thinks that it's a situation like they had in the UK with uh, Cameron and the, the Tories winning. Um, completely ignoring the fact that Cameron was popular, he never was, uh, and uh, the, the fact that uh, the, the Tories were effectively more centrist than his particular brand of liberal capital L, not lowercase l. So, yeah, yeah uh, I don't can't say I disagree with everything he he said or said or stood for. Uh, I mean, everyone has, is right sometimes, uh, but he he was too much of a bruiser, and that's why he was such a good whip, and that's why he managed to keep his his cabinet and his party uh, in a direction for a certain amount of time. But the thing is, he's, he was built for being in opposition. He was built for having something or someone to punch at. Yes. And that's not what you... You need to be able to make the transition when you get into power to stop being overly combative because that everything just comes to a grinding halt at that point. And you have to start actually you know, just stating an opinion and standing by it. That's not the definition of leadership. That's no. just intransigence, uh, especially when the, the majority of people or a substantial quantity of people don't agree with you, including your own cabinet room. <laughs> So, yeah, he just completely failed to read read the winds, which for a politician it makes him a bad politician. Yeah, exactly. And I think a really classic example of the difference is, um, oh, this is arguable, but Australia hasn't had a terrorist attack in over 100 years where life's been lost, all right? Uh, mm. and, and a, a big disclaimer until two days ago, but I'll get on to that. So... Um, but when the Lint Cafe siege happened last year where there were, and I feel really bad, I can't think it was three or four people died. Well, the gunman himself and two others, wasn't it? Yes, that's yeah. right. So um, it wasn't a terrorist attack as, 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 as such. It was more a very unhinged person that got some really bizarre ideas in his head and, and went in with a gun. And um, it was quite... Uh, Obviously, in conflict with the the vast majority of the the Muslim community, from the sound of it, they, they oh, were just yeah, going, yeah. They thought you, he was an nutbag as well. You were just out of you're you're off your tree, mate. Just off off you go. Yeah. So, but two days ago, unfortunately, there was what is arguably the first terrorist death in Australia, which was a 15 year old uh, Muslim boy um, walked up to. Uh, a very large police station in Parramatta, which is really the second large commercial centre in Sydney, um, in the western suburbs, and uh, killed what ended up being a finance officer, so not a cop, but a finance officer that works in, it worked in the police station. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then the 15-year-old himself was shot by three special constables, they call, which um, I'm not sure of how the special constables were, but they're not fully-fledged police officers, my understanding, but they are permitted to carry weapons. 
Yeah, and and they uh, they opened fire on him after he opened fire on them. That's after right. Find yeah. out what's going on. So uh, he, it's not like the the uh, the crazy boy left them with much option. No. So tragedy for both families, uh, both of the guy in particular that was uh, the the innocent financial guy, and also the family, the fifteen year old who probably had no idea this was going to happen. Now. If Tony Abbott had still been Prime Minister, I think I'm fairly safe in saying what would have happened is there would have been the, yeah, Australia's in lockdown, we're in crisis, but we're going to work through this together as a nation, we'll get there, let's, you know, batten down the hatches and, yes, hey, you Muslims, please try and stick together and back us on this. And there's a great article, I think it was by Mark Kenny in the Sydney Morning Herald today on this. Um, Malcolm Turnbull's basically done the right thing. He's got all the cops around Australia in a room or on a teleconference and included all the Muslim leadership around Australia on that teleconference. Quite rightly, the Muslim leadership are condemning it. It's got nothing to do with Islam, um, all the correct responses that you'd expect, um, and has taken a much more conciliatory approach. The, the, the difference is stark in the, in the extreme compared to the way Abbott would have handled it. it we w- you would have had people cowering under their beds at night expecting you know, mass suicide bombings around Australia in the next week. Or am I exaggerating? <laughs> no, no, he's that was again, like I said before, his his tactic uh, was very much one of combat. So he needed an he needed an enemy, and where there wasn't an enemy, he would create one, or at least exaggerate one wildly, yeah. which is what he has done with the calling um, Daesh or ISIL or ISIS, whatever you want to call it, uh, a death cult. He banged on about that. He's very good at banging on with two or three word phrases or slogans Um, it's all very well staying on message but it's nice if you actually take the time to explain what the hell you're talking about periodically um so yes he he definitely would have gone on about national security and uh, yeah Uh, i don't know it's it's all it's you can fairly well play it out in your head pretty much any arch conservative talk show pundit on the radio and you can all think of a few in your your locality, wherever in the world you are, I'm sure. Uh, basically, we had a prime minister who crapped on like that, um, with the, all with the an air attempted air out reason, but failing dismally. It's very much a case of don't be alarmed, be terrified. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's constructive. Um, and, and just uh, as a, a reference, the so both of the terrorist attacks that we've had. In this country, if you're going, and I don't even know if we can call them terrorist attacks. Basically, they were crazy people. Yeah. Um, Man Monis was a that's the uh, the the Lint Cafe in Sydney, and uh, I'm not sure what the the uh, young fellow who uh, who did the the Parramatta thing's name is, uh, but he'd had a, also had a history apparently of radicalisation and was in a program to kind of help untangle his brain, but for whatever reason, however it happened. Uh, that wasn't successful, and he just snapped. I can't think of any other way of putting it. It's, and you could argue that the, the people who were responsible for 9-11 and the, the London bombings and the Madrid train bombings and the idiot who tried to take an explosive shoe oh, yeah. plane, uh, you could argue that all of these people are crazy and, and their brains are broken or damaged in some ways because there's, there's, there's clearly something not functioning correctly in their in their reasoning um and well part of that could be down to religion or but more more likely religion is what they've latched onto to uh, try and compensate for some far more profound damage in uh, in their personalities mm. so it's it's easy enough to to point to oh well, that person was of this race or that person was of that religion uh, I think it's probably far more fundamental, if you excuse the word, uh, in in that person's experience, nature, life, genetics that's just caused them to. That's right. That oh damn! This in- agreement stuff. But yes, couldn't agree more. Um, well, that was very deep for us. It was. So Should we move to something a bit more festive? Yeah. Yes. So, Mr. Grinch, I believe you have an opinion about something. Yeah, well, down here in Australia land, uh, 
like the rest of the world, it's early October and um, unlike the US of A in particular, although I think there's some European... No, there's not really of Halloween, is there? Europe, it probably has its roots in Halloween, uh, like, Europe originally. Like a lot of things in the US, it's actually an old English festival. Yeah, there you go. Like uh, if you say someone's uh, mad when they're angry, that's uh, that's uh, a, something that came over with the the um, the the settlers, as in calling autumn fall. They that's something the English used to do until they decided that everything French was kind of fancy and better, and started adopting a lot of French words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Halloween. Um... And so I'm realising the flaw in my argument here because I'm very pro-multiculturalism and letting everyone have their say, but I think Halloween shouldn't be allowed in Australia. It's not part of our culture. It's not part of a religion or another movement that, you you know, you're not being racist or um, discriminating against someone's religion by not not letting them have it. It annoys the crap out of me is the short answer. I, I dread the 31st of October and the bloody trick-or-treaters. I've been known to put all the blinds down and just sit in the darkened house so that if people knock, they think no one's home. Wow. I don't like it. (laughs) You're that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. I don't like it. I've also been known to make sure I go out, take the family out for dinner so we're at least at a restaurant for the peak trick-and-treat time so that there's no one home. Mm. Do you avoid carolers in the same way? We, I've never had carolers. The close I've had is growing up in a country town. The town band would drive around on the back of a truck playing Christmas carols, and I thought that was lovely because I didn't have to interact with them. What about the Salvation Army band sort of wandering past, playing the one, a bar and a half of Good King Wenceslas and then asking for money? No, I haven't come across that. But, that yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because that probably wouldn't worry me, but I'm far from religious. So, yeah, maybe I'm just being um, seasonal event discriminatory. Like I'm pro-Christmas but anti-Halloween. Oh, I hate Christmas. Yeah, well, I do. (laughs) I do too in a lot of respects. But I don't know. I suppose it's just because it was never part of the Australian culture and it's only in the last, I'm going to guess here, five years it's got really big. It's, it's growing each year and it's now becoming this huge thing just like America. And it's like, well, we're not America. Love lots of Americans. Americans some of the friendliest people I've ever met. But Halloween's not us. I mean, when will they start? And I understand the, the foundation of Thanksgiving, but I could just see some idiot trying to bring Thanksgiving down here. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would make no sense at all. No, I know. <laughs> um... Well, okay. Um, I agree and disagree with you. I don't have a problem with Halloween. I think that it's it does have there is a there is a culture um, sort of a British uh, North Northwestern European there there are there it, there is a cultural precedent for it. Uh, granted, it's become a horribly commercialised, but then you could ask, say the same about Easter and Christmas and any arguments applicable to Halloween just as applicable to those two festivals. So True. to tread carefully. I would ban Easter too, by the way. Well, I would, I would definitely ban anything to do with Easter coming into the shops in bloody February. Exactly. I even set up a Facebook page once, I think, um, called um, Ban Easter Eggs Before Easter. Same with Christmas stuff. I have no no problems. Have it 12 days. Okay, have everything 12 days before Easter. To, all right, 14. That's two weeks. Make two weeks before the event. Yeah, yeah. And you can have your, your, your Crisco and all the rest of it with, uh, so you can, um, you, can, you can lay by your um, substandard um, Christmas product uh, in a handy, convenient rip-off method. Uh, and all of that sort of stuff. You don't. You don't need to do. If it, people don't know what Crisco is, you're very, very lucky. Yeah, particularly if you haven't had to see those ads. If you oh, if you subscribe to Crisco, what is wrong with you? Stop! <laughs> Stop it now! You're only encouraging them. Okay, but my problem with Halloween is not the festival. It's not the jack o' lanterns because, by God, there's some incredible uh, pumpkin carvers out there. Oh it's just yeah, yeah, amazing. 
Uh, I don't have any problem with uh, with the candy and the tricking treaters and the you know it's the problem I have is it doesn't work in the southern hemisphere. No, it's. It's the autumn equinox, so we would need to flip that to when roughly when Easter is, and Easter, if we were going to be truly astrolog- astronomical about things, um, Easter would flip to where Halloween is, because one's the spring equinox and one's the autumn equinox. Oh, right, true. See, if you combined Easter and Halloween into some mega spooky egg event, I'd probably be able to I'd come on board for that. Now you're being stupid. No, no, like Christ is crucified. That's a horror event. Like you'd have to be able to mix them in somehow. Well, that's one of the reasons why I, I periodically enjoy watching the uh, Nostalgia Critic because there's a, char- a recurring character on there called Santa Christ. Yes, see? <laughs> that's gold. And that works. It's a bit, I, don't, I think it's probably apocryphal, but that story about um, the Japanese not quite getting the elements correct, but not the context so they ended up having uh, a shop display with a, a a santa a santa figure nailed to a cross oh my god okay well actually yeah the right so santa was wrong but yeah right guy or sort of right religion but wrong time because that's kind of more easter and you got christmas and easter yeah, I, yeah a bit of a mess so why not but, combine them I reckon the Japanese would come on board with that. I think that would go over about as well as having President's Day. Yeah, true. All right. Never combine holidays into one thing. It's just wrong. To me, though, the one that's totally sacred is Anzac Day. You couldn't impinge on that. As far as I'm concerned, everything else is up for grabs. Isn't that... I do find that interesting. That... I'm acutely aware that Anzac Day has partially been taken over by the oi, oi, oi mob and that annoys the crap out of me. And, I, you know, I don't want to glorify war, which was never the intention of Anzac Day anyway. But Well, that's the thing. The further away you get from the source event, the more distorted things become. Yes. And that's inevitable. Um, you only have to look at, at Christmas. Of, I mean, the, if you go back into the history of of that and the where the where the church settled on, dates and a bunch of other things and the absorption of pagan religions um yeah it's it's quite fascinating i i i was christian for a period in high school and as i do with most things i took it apart but i couldn't put it back together again i was left over with a bunch of pieces that didn't quite fit and a a number of screws and that's why Uh, you like minecraft so much because you can just destroy them no i don't just a habitual builder it's terrible terrible oh, i can understand that i'm just crap at it i should send you my subway map sometime nice <laughs> very nice but anyway is there anything we haven't covered to, and uh, we've just used half our christmas special material uh no i'm pretty sure that we can there's a, a fair few things we can bang on away there cool did you want to talk about fear of the walking dead yeah fear the walking dead so that i just thought we'd throw a bit of two very brief pop culture things um, one was Fear the Walking Dead uh, started about a month ago. So it's the side, uh, what do you call them? Uh, what do you call when a show? A spin-off. Spin-off show from The Walking Dead set at the time the zombie apocalypse hits in, I think it's, God, I feel bad now, I think it's Los Angeles. Um, I'm going to make the big call that Fear the Walking Dead is better than its parent program. Really? Because I heard uh, some fairly iffy reactions to the first couple of episodes. Yeah, so that, the fir- that you're right. The, the first episode copped a bit of a bagging because it was one of those unavoidable ones where you had to establish a whole bunch of characters and, and it was a bit slow. Second origin. one was a bit slower, but it's getting damn interesting now. Um, I mean, I can put a big spoiler alert, spoiler alert, pause for the next uh, minute, but it's now got to the stage where... The, the military have intervened. The, those that have survived are in these compounds in their homes. The army are trying to make out everything's still okay when it obviously isn't, and it's just starting to get really, really interesting. So um, I, I don't know. Maybe because it's more linked to reality and that you're seeing people in their normal homes still trying to go about their normal lives but being scared shitless and, and having seen the parent program, knowing the way it is going to turn out it gives it a whole resonance but yeah i'm extremely impressed at this stage oh god damn it now i'm gonna to have to have a look at that yeah i mean some of the cats i'm just trying to think 
if I'm going to pick it apart, some of the character, again, spoiler alert, the son that has the IV drug use problem is a little bit over-stereotypical. Like, there are some problems with the characterisation, but overall, I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I probably should say this for Flashpoint, but the other thing I did is when I was in Melbourne, I went to, and Simon, you'll know this place, well, I went to the lovely Dimmick's bookshop in the middle of Melbourne. There's up in the middle of Melbourne? A Dimmick's, yeah. You know, the one that... Australia on Collins? Uh, yeah, it is on Collins, yep. Down the escalator? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep, that's the one. We only, have, we only have one bookshop in yeah. this whole city. <laughs> I did go to Minotaur Books as well. Um, oh, I hope you didn't buy anything there, so overpriced. Yeah, no, I did. I, I just went to check them out because I'd heard about them a lot over the years. And so that's for our, again, non-Melbourne, it's a comic right. shop and a science fiction bookshop. But yeah, no, I didn't buy anything. Another assorted tat. Yeah, it, it's a bit. It's overcrowded, and I think they've got too big. I, I yeah, I agree. But anyway, Dimex, I bought reluctantly, but and only because it was on special. The Star Wars Aftermath book. So you aware of this one? Star Wars Aftermath. So this is essentially. I'm guessing this is the book that's been released to link Episode Four, Five, and Six to Seven. So it's the official book. It's Chuck Wendig has written it. Oh, okay. Uh, so I've read the first... I've got it right here in front of me. I've read the first um, 26 pages, and I'm impressed with it so far. It's not high literature by any stretch, but nor would you expect it to be. But it's an engaging story. For those that aren't aware of it, I'll, shall I read the blurb? Go for it. The second Death Star has been destroyed. The Emperor killed and Darth Vader struck down. Devastating blows, but the Imperial threat and the battle for freedom are far from over. As the Empire reels from its critical defeats, a fledging New Republic presses its advantage. Um, where Gentiles watches Imperial Star destroyers gather like birds of prey, circling for a kill on the planet Akiva, A-K-I-V-A. Meanwhile, on the surface, a former rebel fighter has returned to a native world, war-weary, ready to reunite with a family and eager to build a new life. But when she intercepts Wedge Antilles' urgent distress call because he gets sprung, she realises her time as a freedom fighter is not yet over. I won't give too much away, but it's quite well written. I'm quite impressed with it. I haven't read a Star Wars book in many a year, and I'm glad I bought this one. Hmm. Star Wars Aftermath. So I think I have to have a look at that. And it's just gone on the top, Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens. So given that it's directly after the second Death Star's been destroyed. I don't think you can argue it's a direct link to Episode 7 because there's a lot of water. I assume they're leaving that open for lots more books, but at least it starts that linkage. Yeah, well, it's. I think it quite often helps to have these sorts of... Uh, I know you probably say that you should really have... just stick to what's in the movies, and the movies should be provide sufficient information... But uh, if there's one thing I've found um, doing the the prequel podcast with uh, It's a Trap oh, yeah. cast and um, just some of the uh, the extended universe material that goes along with it, the books that, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the one that sort of covers some of the missing bits and pieces from The Phantom Menace, it it does it does help. It really does help. It's a bit like uh, in certain video games that we're not going to mention. Um, having a, a bit more story and just having the indirect story more accessible, it really does add to the experience. So I'm not going to be a purist about these sorts of things. I don't think, I, especially if it's something like Aftermath, which I assume is uh, is canon. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, it's an official book. Right. Okay, because that's one of the things that's a, a bit... You can't really tell what the hell's going on with the extended universe in Star Wars these days uh, as to what's what's canon and what's legend or whatever the hell it is now. Yeah, and in the comics, the Marvel comics too, I believe, are canon as well. And they're, as I've mentioned multiple times on the other podcast, are, are very, very good. It, it would be very nice to have canon that doesn't have to have a letter ahead of it to describe what kind of canon it is because that is A-grade bollocks right there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So that was my pop culture. Aside from that, I'm just, um, I never watched Arrested Development and I'm currently gorging on Arrested Development, which I love to bits. Well, we'll have to save that for another podcast then because I think we've about hit our time limit. Yeah. 
uh, have instructions that you need to be uh, tucked up in bed fairly yeah, shortly. it's all about me. Yes. Well, it means we've got lots of great stuff for next time. Oh, I wouldn't oversell it, buddy. I wouldn't <laughs> oversell it. So in the interest of good taste, we will call that a show. If you have any ideas or suggestions, feel free to email contact at oceanicgamer.com or you can tweet David using at Creative Shed or me at, R- <laughs> at RPG Beats RL. You probably already knew that. For earlier episodes, visit www.creativeshed.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks very much for listening. And if you like what you heard or enjoy rubbernecking at train wrecks, please remember to subscribe to us. Yes, please do. Yes. So say goodbye, David. Bye, David. Oh, you you hack. You are such a hack. <laughs> you, you did that to me once. I remember that very clearly. That's because I'm a hack. Yeah. I know that. I, 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 do not, I do not shirk from that description. Should we do the two Ronnies farewell? Because a lot of our international listeners may not know that one. Oh, yeah. Benny Hill sold the two Ronnies, didn't. I don't get that. All right. Well, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him.